Hi, and welcome to Design as a Lens 2 podcast, where we have conversations with inspiring individuals within creative industries to explore the topic of design and what that can add to our world. I am Amanda. And I'm Adam, and we're from PRISM, a strategic design studio based in Copenhagen, Denmark. Our aim with this podcast is to explore novel perspectives and highlight the value of design within everyday practices. We also hope to inspire you to question your own thoughts on creativity and design. We have the pleasure of having Alice Grandois with us today, who is a cultural researcher, experimental designer and creative strategist. In Sweden, we used to say that beloved kids, they have a lot of different names. <laughs> I'm really curious to hear how will you define yourself? Oh, that's it. Actually, I have finally come with one, one or two words that would define me. And I would say it's actually my childhood best friend told me this the other day, but she called me an uh, intergalactic representative, which I think is quite awesome. And I think it allows me the space to kind of move between multiple things or multiple ways of existing, which I feel like is the case given the practice that I have that has, that takes many forms. So I am an intergalactic representative with a practice that focuses on research and doing things and making things. Mm? Perfect. Thanks for that explanation. For our listeners, uh, who are you and what do you do? We know that you have a company called Dean Journal. What is that? Yeah, um, I have a publication that I co-own with two other designers and also publish with multiple beings. Um, it is called Dean Journal, and it is a biannual print publication, an online journal that focuses on... Um, covering design as a social practice. When did you start that practice? Actually now, this coming month, two two years ago, it started in 2019, even though in the current moment, it feels like it was like five years ago. Because <laughs> you know, this idea of time was really warped, I think in the past 12, mm. 18 months. <laughs> nice. Mm-hmm. And maybe sometimes the... You start the process already before you actually start creating something. Yeah, there was, I mean, 2019 is like when we were actually like involved in the act of making. But I would say that like, I mean, this whole practice probably started to take its own shape and form at the end of or middle of 2017, probably more formally like 2018. And then I think it coming to the space of, of it being like a research output in 2019. So Alice what does design or the word design mean to you great that you ask (laughs) um design i think means many things to many people and so i I like to kind of open it up and leave space in that way and so i think that you know with the intentions that we created with deem around defining design we kind of try to keep it a little bit broad so a lot of what we think about is like we think of design as one this like process of adding value I think too that it's also like this like fundamental shared experience and it's also like something that is everywhere and also that everybody kind of participates in these processes so i think we kind of again with everything because i think there's a lot of intention around wanting to kind of um open up this field 
open up the space to kind of be more dynamic. We kind of keep a lot of broad definitions around the word design and how it actually comes to life. But I think in short, we think about it a lot as like this process in which we can find ways to add value. Cool. And would you say that you ever use design in your day-to-day -day life or is it just simply work-related? I think design is for work actually just like a practice, like a, an actual practice that every, everybody is designing all the time. Um, I mean, I will, I don't want to kind of go into it now because I know that I'll keep talking about it or I, I pretty much <laughs> kind of get to the thesis now. So, but I, I, yes, I'm like, I am designing all of the time. It's not just in my work. And I feel like, I feel like with these days, I'm like, what is work and what is life given all the things that I'm currently kind of participating in. But I think that design is very prevalent in my, in my day to day, whether it could be deemed work or not. <laughs> nice and what does the word process mean to you yeah i love this question um the word process means to me it's like i think of it as a means by which you kind of move from like ideation to manifestation that's the way i like to think about it because again it's pretty broad everybody has their own processes but i love this idea of like moving from an idea to like actually manifesting it being a part like being the process actually nice so we're curious to know, how would you f uh, feel this sentence? I use design as a lens to... Yes, I have a lot of clarity on this now um, because I was working with my leadership mentor coach uh, over the past couple of months. And um, something that stood out to me was that I use design as a lens to renegotiate what has been into what could be. Nice. Would you be able to expand on that? Yeah, absolutely. So I think in many simple terms, I think, you know, I have a maybe more quote unquote formal, which I'm not really sure what that means, uh, design practice in within the past few years. But I actually think throughout most of my variations of my career, I've always been interested in kind of like really pushing the boundaries or like really kind of thinking outside of what is the norm and most specifically like understanding that there are systems, structures in place that while they have been in place for a while, I'm always interested in instigating kind of like new possibilities, new ways of being. And so I think that when I've always thought about how design has showed up in my life beyond this kind of more formal design research practice, I've always, you know, no matter what field it was that I was working in, always been interested in like this point of design as a, as a way to renegotiate things. So I'm always like, you know, I, I've never sadly maybe because it gives me a lot of work i'm never really like that satisfied with the status quo and mm. then usually i'm just kind of like actively at least piloting new solutions around ways of being ways of living ways of working so yeah i think that's kind of maybe the through line of how design has always showed up in my life and also maybe how it's even manifesting beyond work actually mm. cool and sort of digging deeper into that sort of process, how would you describe your design process? And if you could sort of highlight some key moments that sort of make or break um, your final outcome? Yeah, I mean, one, I think that I don't ever believe that there is a final outcome. I actually like to think about things as like kind of being living and breathing. <laughs> so I okay. think that's maybe yeah. a good point to start from. And then I think to like kind of reverse engineer this process, I really think a lot about, I mean, the work is very much social. So inherently everything is conversational. I think before we can design anything, it kind of like needs to be in conversation with others and or a community before I can even start. And the whole idea is that 
you know, again, the work is relational. And I also want to make sure before we're starting anything that it is somewhat community informed. Um, and I think the conversation just kind of continues to evolve throughout the process. And I don't know that we ever land at a final outcome as much as we kind of share what we've learned thus far and really use it as like usually another way to kind of begin or continue conversations around what has uncovered in th throughout the process. Has um, culture then also affected your process? I'm thinking you're based in Denmark now um, mm -hmm. and you're originally from New York, right? Mm -hmm. Is that also a big difference for you to work with design in those quite separate uh, parts of the world? Um, I think it's a little different because I think the way that people maybe think about design here is like real formal um, and like, again, very institutionalized, if I'm being honest. And that's totally cool if that's how actually it's not really that cool. Um, <laughs> it's, it's actually not cool at all. But I, I realize that, like, that's what people know. So that's like what they feel comfortable with deeming design or, you know, processes. But I am try to be intentional about who it is that I collaborate with. And so there is a mutual respect of understanding like there's a way in which people do things institutionally. And then there's a way in which things actually manifest in the real world. And I think that what I try to bring to the table is like, here are ways in which design is manifesting like at the community level quite intuitively. And maybe kind of then like utilizing how people are kind of doing more like very strategic institutional frameworks and kind of actually trying to uncover there are parallels between how these things show up from a theory perspective as much as how they're how they are existing from a practice perspective and i think that's like maybe the two different uh the two different realities um mm. that, I'm, that i'm constantly existing between you spoke about sort of um, conversation mm -hmm. how important is it to be able to communicate with people that are like yourself or even from different backgrounds and cultures? How does that help your process? Yeah, I mean, there it's, it's essential to the process. There is no process without that actually, like this process of trying to find ways to be relational. Um, and also like this idea of like really building relationships with people that either see more than you or can see differently than you. And I think a lot about this kind of experimental methodology that I've been exp uh, exploring over the past like six months called the collaboratorium, which is very much uh, inspired by an interview that I did with AJ Marie Brown for our first issue of Deem. And a lot of what she talks about is this like concept of co-imagination. So this idea that you like really need to create relationships with people that have different points of view or have an expansive point of view from where you sit to be able to actually start to make things that actually work for everyone. Very, very interesting point. Mm. Um, and throughout your your process, um, are you relying on any sort of inspiration? And do you have any sort of sources that you 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 always refer back to? I would say, I mean, I had a very like woo woo kind of answer for this, but I don't really. I have I have two things. One, I'm always referring back to A.J. Marie Brown's Emergent Strategy. It feels like a Bible to me. Um, particularly because I think there's just like so much inspiration in every page of that book. But beyond that, I also think a lot about, I mean, if I'm just thinking more generally, like conversations are the medium, they're the form, it's like literally a big part of everything. So I think like I'm always trying to have as many conversations as possible. And usually from there, there become so many points of inspiration, it usually goes back to like some sort of reading or listening to something. But I've also been really interested in this idea of like, 
finding inspiration in the act of doing nothing as somebody that is like a habitual overcommitter and does the most. <laughs> like, I think that doing nothing sometimes is like really inspiring. And that can be yeah. quite tricky in a, in a busy city as well. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to ask um, regarding this leadership mentor that you have. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious to hear like how come you are uh, in touch with uh, this type of mentor? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm more interested in how to develop systems of support based on the ways in which I like to lead and manage teams, which is very mm-hmm. much like, again, relational, intuitive, like, and really focused on care, like really taking care of the people that I work with and making sure that they're feeling good and that I really understand what this work brings to them or, or means to them and how to continue to shape experiences like that. Mm-hmm. But in addition to that, I also like, it's kind of like, work therapy in a way where it's like you also have a bit of guidance some coaching and and I think particularly what I like about working with the coach Kenta that I work with is, is that it's actually quite um it's very much about like embodiment as well so it's not just about like what am I saying as much as like how am I feeling this type of leadership or this um style of working like in my body and I think that that's what's actually really important and what I love about working with Kenta. Mm. I think that's uh, I mean it's inspiring as well I think it's so great to have either people who are aligned with your own work uh, or something that is totally different as well to get the type of inspiration and guidance then it's up to you to decide which way you want to go um then just you know fumbling in the dark and yeah yeah i can't lie it's been really great i think you know most of the time though like if you again again because i think there's like just so many frameworks and like that are outdated for me so like if you if you call it that i'm like leadership training I'm like what does that even mean but again it's really always comes down to like what is your profession you know what is your personal definition of leadership and that's actually how we even began working together because I was just like hey I'm looking for this type of service he's like actually I don't like do training in that way and I was like oh well here's how I like want to think about it I was like I would love to think about it and like first and foremost through this interaction like me actually really understanding like what leadership means to me quite personally But then again, uh, he was very much interested in, he does a lot of somatic work. And so I was interested in like incorporating that into like a bit of the the coaching and support. So it's been really fruitful. Nice. nice. Cool. I know you've been in contact with a lot of people through your years with Deep Journal. Um, but I'm also wondering just like, is there anyone you would like to highlight that has been extra memorable for some reason? I'd love to say one, but honestly, everybody feels quite memorable. Um, And I would say maybe one, well, it's actually two people that are, that work collaboratively. Um, I would say I really love connecting with WAI Architecture, uh, Natalie and Cruz Garcia Frankowski, I believe. Um, And I just, I think particularly because I guess they stand out because we've had an opportunity to engage with them on so many different levels. And just like every time I speak with them, it's just like uh, my mind is blown. Maybe my worldview has shifted and uh, the conversations are just so rich. Yeah. So I would say perhaps them, but I Mm -hmm. think like so many other people too. I mean, but I think if I'm just like trying to narrow it down to like deem time, I would say maybe them. I mean, there's like some more obvious people like, you know, having the opportunity to have Adrian on the cover of the, of the first issue and going to Detroit to really like 
you know, be in person in conversation with her before the world was quite different was very meaningful too. Um, so yeah, I mean, I literally, I, I don't think that there isn't anyone that we have conversed with that isn't just like really inspiring to us. And I think really helps to help, helps us to expand how we think about design. Nice. Mm-hmm. I mean, we know that you're a person person, um, social person. <laughs> But what are like your best resources um, that have helped you along the way, except from actually people? Hmm. I don't know. People are maybe it's part people. of it all. I think it's always people, actually. Like, because I mean, it's like, yeah, it's always people. I'm, I'm no matter like if I were to lead to another resource, I'm like, I usually found that resource through a person, actually. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that like a lot of, and I think I've been thinking a lot that about that a lot in the practice because I don't have a solo practice. I have a very collaborative practice. Like, whatever that you see of mine is never just mine only. It's always like something usually made with others, um, and I love that about my practice and I don't think it will ever change actually um if anything I think it would just continue to be as deliberate as possible like making things with others so I think my biggest resource is just like I think my curiosity and my like genuine love for trying to connect with people as many people like I wouldn't say as many people as possible trying to form deep connections with people Mm -hmm. to see like what is able what we're able to generate from those connections do you find it hard to do that Like the actual act of getting into people's um, deep in, in Scandinavia, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> in other parts of the world, no. Uh, um, I would say in other parts of the world, I think I've tried to cultivate a practice in which I can kind of read people's language beyond the verbal. And so... I think that that makes it a little bit easier. I would say here it's been like a whole other practice of that. Um, I don't find it difficult. I find it quite natural, to be honest. That's just like mm. usually how I move through the world. The only place I've really found difficulty in that is here. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think it's just generally because most of the other places that I've existed in, there is like a natural curiosity and openness to people and new expressions in ways that I have to be quite frank are not here. So I just have to learn to navigate differently. But I think here it's, you know, it's still possible. I just have to be very strategic here about like, oh, where I am physically and what that enables essentially. Yeah. But generally, no, I don't find it difficult actually in a broader sense. I believe Scandinavians have uh, enjoyed the quarantine the most. Uh, I think it was like, oh, like a true self. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> living life. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I'm like, am I living life? What is this? <laughs> um. uh, okay. Um, is there anything that you actually wish that you would have known before you began your career? Yes. How to ask for help. Like how to just mm. like be honest and ask for help and like know that like the the act of asking for help does not signify anything other than like self-awareness and um humility (laughs) and actually is a great i think symbol of strength where do you think that the the idea of not asking for help has come from is that something that you kind of yeah i mean i guess i would maybe think think I mean I think it's a cultural thing and culturally most specifically like growing up in the states and also growing up in New York 
um, you know, there, and also capitalism is like, you know, everything is about kind of the individual. It's not always about the collective. And also like when resources feel scarce or limited, you know, the idea is that everybody's just trying to get like survive themselves. And so maybe sometimes the natural inclination isn't to ask for help. But if I were to like even zoom out and think about like my cultural upbringing as a Haitian American, I mean, it's like literally a community effort to like bring a human into this world. So I think a lot of this in my, it was something I did, but I don't think it was something I really embraced until maybe about three or four years ago. Um, where I was just like, oh, if you can like ask, you know, if you can just bring yourself to asking for help. And I think the idea of like, is not asking for help when you get really overwhelmed, but like actually proactively asking for help. And Mm -hmm. I think that it's something that I've always known in terms of like making collaborative projects. But I think beyond even the projects, just (laughs) knowing to be like, yo, I'm going to need some help bringing something together. And how do I make sure that I'm like uh, making it clear to the community around me that that is something that I need. Do you believe there's like a common myth about your profession? I would say that if somebody read on paper that I do, you know, that I am a designer and a researcher, I think that it's even something that I always try to debunk with Deem is like that you need to be an expert to do any of the work that I'm doing. And I would say that one of the things that I'm very much interested in debunking across everything that I do and then also in every field whether I'm active in it or not, is like really debunking this idea of like what constitutes expertise. Um, Because I think a lot of people really limit themselves to what they can do if they feel like they're not an expert in something. And my belief is that everybody is an expert actually in their own lived experience. So like that is just such a ripe uh, area of expertise that is not to be overlooked. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Okay, so apart from people, mm-hmm. what are the best resources that have helped you along the way? Music. Music is always a big resource for me. Um, I just think, you know, there's so much that can be communicated in, through music that like just can't be communicated in different formats uh, because it's a feeling and it's like very much about, yeah, how you feel, where you're at. It's quite spatial in a way too. Um, so yeah, I would say music has kind of always been a through line. It was even quite interesting recently to feel like, because I, I, I actually have like a background in music, most specifically as a cultural mm. organizer within the space. So it's really interesting when I think about like my practice now when I had to work on a publishing project last weekend and it was really great. But I realized even in my like editorial approach to this project, like the only way in which I was able to even like start or make sense of it was by like, musically making a conversation around it um and and from that actually like i was able to find and uncover an editorial point of view for this project so i think music is definitely that i think nature is also like something that i'm always actively seeking but i also did grow up in a very like urban context and so i think in recent years have had some time to like move to california and be i think a little bit more intentional about how i show up and make and form relationships with nature as well. Um, yeah, so I think people, music, natures, I think that's that's the answer. <laughs> yeah. And for the listeners, yeah. are there any projects that you're currently working on that they should know about 
people that you have worked on that they should know? Yeah. For the listeners. Well, hello, listeners. Um, (laughs) Hi. (laughs) (laughs) There are too many projects to like even really chat about. Like I, I'm like, what am I working on? But many things, but I would say um, the projects that I think are continuous and evolving and hold space for, for my expansive practice as a container are for sure deep journal. Um, I have a really fun upcoming project that I am working on with two designer architects, spatial people, as we all are actually all three of those things. Everybody is one of those things, if not all. Um, we are working on a kind of like sculptural furniture piece, which is quite fun because it is a time in which I get a chance to kind of apply the research that I've been doing with Dean and also trying something completely new. Like I'm not really like making objects or rather I am making objects, but they're usually a publication. And this would be something that would be a little bit different. And so I'm really interested in how a lot of the research that I've formed and and have really immersed myself into over the past few years will now take shape through the act of making something with others. So I'm excited about that. Um, I also have a food concept with my partner and husband Edgars here in Copenhagen. It has been quite beautiful for us to kind of start something together. And I think we're also really reimagining like what food exchanges could be um, and are also really showcasing and using utilizing this time to like feel and bridge a connection to Japan, which is a place that we've both spent a lot of time and I think have been really inspired by. And then I would say last, but certainly not least, again, I'll kind of bring it back up. It's just, yeah, Deem Journal. It's like the anchor of all of the work. It's like a direct kind of community informed expression of the research that is guiding me over the past few years and will continue to. Working on a lot of projects, Alice. Too many things. <laughs> I'm like, it's like not even, I have like so many things. I'm like, I'm not really sure if I can like talk about that now. But yeah, it's like, that's enough, you know? I'm like, yeah. but there's like, yeah many other things kind of never really saying no to things just trying to like uh create more hours in the day to make them all happen but Mm -hmm. yeah i kind of also feel like the city here has like really come to life in the past few months um and it just feels really good for people to be like wanting to make things and like you know i think get gathering again so it's good (laughs) yeah nice and where can our listeners connect with you online yeah, I would say the best place to connect with me, which means that thus you're connecting with others, would be through at Deem Journal on Instagram or deemjournal.com for to read stories. Um, yeah, that would be the best place. And when you follow those places or when you're engaging with those places, you will see then that like the work is not just me. It is a collective of voices and experiences that really, I think, bring my practice to life. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you, Alice, for this conversation. Thank, Thank you, you so much for these questions. They were really good. They were really good. And I didn't get too long-winded, which was also really good. No, no, no. <laughs> but yeah, they're very considerate questions that I look forward to seeing how other people kind of respond and share yeah, about their That practices. should be very interesting. Thank you for listening to this episode with Alice Grandois. More information about her practice will be in the description. And if you would like to connect with us, you can find us on Instagram at 
prism.studio. And finally, if you felt like this conversation was valuable to use, please share it with your friends and colleagues as it helps us a lot. Thanks.